Hey, I'm Dan Lorenzo. And I'm Johnny Kelly from Patriarchs in Black. You're watching, and you're watching Heavy, Heavy Galaxy. Galaxy. Right, the Heavy Galaxy Show, Matt and John. We're back here with another episode here for everybody this week. And today we'd like to welcome from Heavy Rock Champs, Howling Giant. We've got drummer Zach joining us, as well as bassist Sebastian. What's going on, guys? How you doing? What's up, man? Doing great. Fantastic, man. Well, thank you guys for coming on. Uh, before, obviously, today's a day that the great sophomore album glass future just came out today october 27th we're to get to that here in just a minute but before we do i just wanted to say on behalf of obviously john and myself here man we're really sorry to hear what happened to you guys on tour um i mean what's happening to a lot of bands across the globe right now you guys obviously got robbed while you were in italy like i said it's happening everywhere it's happening here a lot in the states as well um so i mean everything all good now with you guys in terms of what you need now to continue touring from here on in what's going on with that yeah, thankfully, um, we've, uh, uh, you know, it was a tough situation at, at, at first. And then when you're on the road like that, uh, um, you know, that just kind of makes everything a little bit harder. But sure. with the uh, success of our GoFundMe that we had up, um, uh, we were able to cover uh, a lot of those expenses. So uh, thankfully, you know, everybody who donated really helped keep us on our feet so yeah absolutely yeah, it so kept us that. going for sure like i mean the fact that the gear wasn't stolen is mm. uh man so, we were Ooh. so lucky there uh we could still play shows and uh and yeah out of the kindness of of everyone's hearts there <laughs> we uh they kept our the morale a little higher after that day and uh you know, all of my clothes were taken, so I got some sweet new Italian threads. To, to <laughs> oh, no. oh, wow. I guess mean, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. The running joke for the last half of the tour was just Zach, uh, Zach having his European fit. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Walk us through, like, how it happened. Like, give us the... Yeah. Like, the backstory behind that. Man, I mean, it was, it, it was so wild because... We, uh, we got to the venue in Milan super early and we were like, Hey, let's go. Uh, like someone needed to run errands somewhere for like a case for something. And we were like, well, you we can go get a coffee. Um, we went to, we found like a mall 10 minutes down the road and we were like, okay, let's go get a coffee. We parked, you know, <laughs> in broad daylight underneath a security camera. Yeah. Uh, and there were security officers in cars driving around the entire uh, oh. parking lot. And we were like, cool. Uh, all of our bags were hidden, packed up. You couldn't see a thing in there. And yes. uh, we go to get a coffee and come back, you know, 10 minutes later, somebody smashed in that side window, opened the van. And you could tell they were in a hurry because it was just like there were still bags. They were rifling through stuff and just grabbing wow. what they thought. Um, yeah. And, and that was pretty much it. It's the classic, <laughs> a classic smash and grab type of thing. Ah, that's what it was. Yeah. It looks like Maybe it was an inside job. It's hard to say, like, yeah. you know, you see the security around there. It's like, are you telling, you know, or yeah. I don't know. I don't want to get too conspiracy. Sure. Right. Right. I was just like, what's going on here? Oh, yeah. man. Well, let's get into the good news. Yeah, obviously, as we said today, the release of Glass Future. It's out now on Magnetic Eye Records. I mean, just what a follow up, obviously, to you guys. First full length, The Space Between Worlds. It came out in 2019. I mean. You guys obviously continue to do, you know, what you're known for on the record, which is just, you know, com combining a blend of just so many different heavy rock genres that you can think of on top of the, really that killer metallic bass that you guys got. And, um, you know, the only, I think, still, it sounds a little different to me from the first record is the guitar is a little more crunchy and less fuzzier, maybe mm -hmm. in the mix, you know. But other than that, obviously, this is really right up, you know, your guys, Ali, what you tend to, you know, that you've been doing now uh for you know almost 10 years or so so um talk a little bit about you know what you guys wanted to do uh and did really differently on this record compared to the first full length so um 
for this record, we felt like we had a lot more, uh, a lot more time uh, to kind of get prepped for it. So uh, we we wrote just uh, we wrote probably like eighteen songs or something. Okay. You know, this was and they, this was all going through the pandemic too. So while we were doing some Twitch streaming, we were writing music and just uh, um, constantly creating. But yeah, we wrote about 18 songs and then uh, whittled it down to the nine plus the, uh, you know, hourglass um, Mm -hmm. uh, that you hear. And we feel like doing it that way rather than the way it was with Space Between Worlds. I mean, I can only kind of say because I joined halfway in between the the writing process for that. But that felt a little bit more rushed. uh, Whereas we, again, we were just able to make sure that that everything was perfect songwriting and recording wise for this record because we took our time. Right. If yeah. something, you know, if something didn't sound right to us a couple days later, we're like, we're going to go back in, we're going to retrack this. You know, we want it to be a hundred percent. Songwriting wise, I think uh, everything's a little more concise. Uh, not, not that uh, we don't like some proggy rambling. Like we definitely love doing some of that, but we just wanted in this record to kind of get to the point uh, mm-hmm. a little bit quicker with some of these tunes. And that's not saying we won't do, you know, right. a tw- another 20 minute song like we did on the Masamune yeah. split ever mm-hmm. again. It's just like, that was the Which identity was of this record. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, mm-hmm. we'll definitely, yeah. you know, done the 20 minute next step is an hour long song. For some of us ADHD people, that's tough. <laughs> <laughs> I, I went a year without listening to St. Karloff's, uh, 45 minute one. So <laughs> and oh, I finally wow. listened to it one day driving around. I was like, all right, it's pretty good. It's an adventure. But you, know, you guys actually have three full lengths, if I'm not mistaken, and then a number of EPs as well, right? So it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of funny. Like we we have what we would say, like I I'd call this one our second full length. Um mm-hmm. because the first few we did the self-titled EP. And we have Black Hole Space Wizard 1 and 2. 2 is a little bit longer. It's like a half hour. Um, But I still kind of consider that an EP overall. Um, Because eventually we'll do part 3 and put all of the Black Hole Space Wizard on one like double vinyl set. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, Yeah, okay. Yeah, so and then of course there's like we did the instrumental EP alteration around the pandemic and uh, and then the split record with, with Sergeant Thunderhoof. So like at least in like identity alone i know technically you could consider part two like almost full length you have a lot of bands dropping a half hour record and, and call yeah, it that. But yeah for us it's just it's not complete you know like it'll be complete when part three is out. yes part three wow, wow. Yeah. that's interesting yeah yeah man what it's coming. What, what is the concept? Walk us through the concept of one and two and what three. Yeah. You know, your vision as far as the, the concept behind those albums. Right. So Black Hole Space Wizard Part 1, you kind of introduce this character, the pioneer, and uh, and humanity has been long gone from Earth. And um, and they're on this mothership in oh. space. You know, the last the last of, of humanity is, is floating around. Uh, they're looking for a habitable planet. And they... Uh, send these pioneers out and they eventually find one. The guy kind of uncovers what doomed the original earth, which was the black hole space wizard. Um, Just kind of a planet eater Uh, part two. uh, So part one ends with him crash landing, uh, not really knowing that he's on the husk of old earth. Part two kind of comes in. He discovers this druidic enclave kind of keeping this small little forest alive meets this earth wizard who kind of tasks him with, you must destroy this thing uh, or contain the black hole space wizard. And that's kind of where you end is like, okay, part three is all about the conflict itself. So uh, we're kind of working on some stuff right now. We tracked a few songs and we'll, we'll eventually get there still like disagreeing on the story a little bit. We kind of have a loose idea, but we got to make sure it's like, how do you end something like that? Right. There's so many ways. So uh, we're kind of going through some ideas currently, and you know, it's just so funny that Glass Future just came out because just a couple months ago we were in the studio starting to work on some new tunes. So just you know, it's getting in that cycle. Yeah, very cool. Speaking of tunes, I mean, one of the tracks I really like, obviously, is the video single you have for Aluminum Crown, which I saw was originally it was supposed to be, I guess, a collaboration 
with you guys and the late great Mark Lanigan, which, you yeah. know, of course, Mark from Screaming Trees and Queens and Stone Age fame. I mean, yeah. what, obviously an original voice and icon. He was in heavy rock for decades. So, I mean, obviously that really sucks that it never came to fruition. But obviously, I think you guys did just a bang up job and, and you know, obviously paying tribute to him on, on that track. So I guess talk, yeah, talk a little bit about that and how that originally was set up with Mark before he unfortunately passed. Sure. So Magnetic Eye uh, was putting together kind of a compilation record where all of their bands were going to write some tracks for Mark uh, to write lyrics and, and do vocals. Um, we kind of went into the studio, did uh, just spent some time there and ended up with two songs and uh, we sent them off. And Mark was like, great, I'll work on both. We didn't think that he would take, you know, you just there was no guarantee. Um, so the fact that he was like, cool, yes, let's work on this. That was that was pretty that was pretty amazing. Um, mm -hmm. And he started to work on it. Um, unfortunately, got covid, went into that coma but came out of it, wrote a book, started getting back on the project. And then a few months later, uh, passed away. So, um, the songs kind of came back around and we decided to put uh, aluminum crown on the record. And we, you know, never got to hear what he was writing, uh, like any of the lyrics or, or melody. So we tried to just write something that we think that Mark would have written as tribute. Hmm. Right. Mm hmm. Of course, none of us have that deep, gravelly voice. So, you know, <laughs> what can you truly do? And then Sebastian, I you know what's interesting, obviously, yeah. about you, 
obviously now you know being the fall that you said you you were uh talking about earlier you were uh halfway through the writing process in the first record so this marks your first you know full length in, in total with the band and also i don't know if a lot of people know you're obviously the son of another a legendary musician himself <laughs> peter baltus from the great accept yes sir. Uh, the german threshers i mean the class i mean obviously legendary band um <laughs> So, I mean, how did you wind up connecting, you know, with, with these guys for, you know, in the band some years ago? How did that happen? Well, uh, so I I, um, I came to Nashville in 2011. I came down here for school um, and uh, just kind of ended up staying. You know, my parents moved down here because uh, my dad uh, was, except was pretty much based out of Nashville. Yeah, Wolf was there, right? Yeah. Time. Yeah. Yeah. So, um you know, they were doing a bunch of stuff and, you know, I, I, I just was going to school and, and playing through, you know, some local bands that I was just, you know, I, I was kind of spreading myself into a little bit of everything. So I played like glam rock. I played, uh, uh, like pop, like Foo Fighters stuff. I did like almost butt rock, you could say, kind of Nickelback kind of stuff. Uh, and it was all fun, you know? Uh, and I was working at a bar, and one night, uh, or a couple nights, Tom would come in, and he had mentioned that he needed a bass player. Uh, and I had just left a band at that point. And so um, kind of, uh, uh, I, you know, I was looking for something. And I just had one rehearsal with these guys, and it just shut off. Clicks. So Yeah. Very cool. That's really cool. How is the uh, Nashville scene when it comes to, you know, hard, heavy rock, stoner rock, heavy psych, you know, that our kind of realm? It is it is still very uh, underground here because the uh, obviously the, the country music country. industry is just kind of dominating. That's that's what, you know, all the, the tourists come to see. But um, there is definitely a, a growing rock scene in Nashville. Um, and especially uh, a psychedelic scene. I mean, biggest example is probably All Them Witches right now. Mm -hmm. um, and they're just, you know, obviously they've blown up. Um, that's a very sort of East Nashville kind of sound. Um, kind of blends yeah. in some of that indie, indie psych, but there's still mm -hmm. some riffs going on. I mean, there it's, we've seen a few different iterations of the heavy bands coming through when we were starting to play shows here in 2015 in the early days um there's a band called silent monolith they're still yeah. they're still yeah. around uh so kj and nate at the time kind of brought us in they helped us book our first shows around here there's this other awesome band Sunwheel, um and we would just start playing these stoner rock shows around town um and a lot of these bands dissolved. Uh, Silent Monolith, KJ kept that going. They have a new uh, lineup, and they're out hitting the road a lot more these days, which is great because they're badass. They're really I, good. They're I really filled good. in on drums uh, for a little while for them, too, oh, so that's always nice. fun. I played some double shows, you know. Oh, nice. <laughs> a little this, a little that. And, that, that um, song, Fucker with the Fu Man too. What yeah, a song yeah. that is. That's fun. It's hard not to, like, rush that one because you're like, yeah, let's go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But uh, and now these days, I mean, John, we've talked about it a little bit before you have um, kind of this new wave coming through with the swell fellas and karma vulture. Mm -hmm. And yeah. uh, man, I'm just trying to think of more. The there, there's a handful. The absurd. Right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They're so like brothers they're, them and uh, karma vulture. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. So they're starting to kind of come back around and and there's always just there's always a little scene bubbling around here and you can find yeah. somebody at the Springwater supper club just the diviest okay. dive that there is around here so yeah um, and hey is uh <laughs> do a couple of the rival sons guys live in nashville now did i hear i can't remember i've i i used to work at a drum shop and their drummer would come in so i don't know if they were coming through on just like a lot of bands will come in just for weeks for a studio or like uh tour rehearsals and stuff so yeah. i don't know if they were living here or not i heard that gosh i think jay buchanan the, the unbelievable singer yeah Rebel Sons, and one of the other guys lives there i mean they're not they don't all live in the same city anymore right uh but i mean I, god they're on the road so much at this point in time and put two albums out this year that uh <laughs> they're probably not home much to begin with right i mean you see a lot of bands doing that these days when you get to a certain point 
Uh, I mean, all them witches is that way. They were all in Nashville and now they've moved kind of to their, you know, whatever their individual homes are or closer to family. But uh, like they're about to play the Ryman in a couple days here for some Halloween shows. So they just come back into town. They, you know, they rehearse, they play the shows and then they go back home and wherever else. I think, you know, that sounds nice because I, I think at some time, at some point for us, we kind of want to head back north. Nashville's been great, but uh, to get out Where's of here would be cool. Mm. Uh, I've got family in Pennsylvania. Seabass, you know, you're yeah. originally from Philly. And like, uh, I don't know. I We love being in the New England area. So I'd love to kind of head back somewhere. You right like there. all that fucking snow and ice? I and love stuff. it. I'm yeah. down. Really? Oh, yeah. I <laughs> it beats oh, the Tennessee God. heat, man. Yeah. I, I grew up uh, right outside of D.C. in Virginia, northern Virginia. Oh, yeah. So... Um, I just kept moving south, so I'm I'm kind of the opposite. I don't mind the heat and all that. Uh, well, I was down in Texas for Ripple Fest. It was a little hot, but uh, dude, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we Riddle played that there. last summer, uh, man. When yeah, we did that, that was that a heat one. wave. Like it was like 105 degrees those days. It was crazy. I'm I'm glad yeah. they moved it to September. It's still hot, but it's still not hot, nearly yes. as bad. Mm-hmm. No. Well, yeah, and Nashville's just becoming. I mean, everyone's just just moving there. I mean, it's everyone's you know transplanting musicians. I think it doesn't matter what genre people are playing. It's just become almost like the new L.A. because it's cheaper. You know, you don't have yeah. the you don't have the you know the taxes and all that stuff that you have out in California. So yeah. you know, it's it's just you know, I mean, Nashville really is the hot spot now. So, but it is so cool to see a, a you know a rock scene burgeoning from there instead of it just being you know country and and what have you. But um. Yeah. But that's really cool. Yeah. Very yeah. cool. So, yeah. yeah. One of the tracks I want to ask you guys about, too, I love on the record, Hawk and a Hurricane. That is such a, I mean, I, I think that's probably my top track on the record. I love it. I love the guitar licks in it. And it's just, it's a special. Yeah. Talk, talk a little bit about what that song is and what it's about. Like I said, I just, overall, I thought that's a fantastic song you guys yeah so i that that opening riff i remember tom came to the practice room with and we are trying to figure out you know what to do with it that was that was some that was some pandemic writing uh when we were getting all that together and um uh i mean lyrically on this record we started to you know we we got away from the entire thing being a concept record so each song has its own concept Mm -hmm. and um at the time, Tom was that one is a lot more personal to Tom. And we were kind of writing about just some some internal struggle uh, that that he was kind of going through and just kind of being blown around. And he kind of envisioned the hawk in the hurricane, just like, you know, struggling to fly through. And mm. and uh, that was just the visual that he kind of provided. And we kind of all got together on that one. Um, musically, it was really cool to. I don't know. We, we really got to open up on some of those sections uh, melodically and um, and then what I call like the little riff that keeps coming back. I call our Kansas riff because I got to <laughs> slam some cowbell on it. We were like, nice. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> it is total Kansas. Nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Well, well, speaking did... of Kansas, I mean, you have some layering going on as well. Yeah. Uh, always mm-hmm. seemingly with, with some keyboards and all that. You've mm-hmm. toured with some synth keyboards in, in the past as well. It's a yeah. Yeah, yeah, so we we had our buddy Marshall uh, play keys for about a year and a half. He did all the streams on Twitch, and then we got on the road with him. And, um, you know, really, he was a buddy that I worked with at a drum shop, and he happened to play keys, and he left ultimately just because he wanted to play drums again, um, which, you know, totally fine. He's out there killing it. Um, but our buddy Drew, who lives outside of Fort Worth, Texas, he plays keys on all the records. Uh, we've had him since day one. He plays for this outlaw country artist, um, Cody Jinx. So Cody's got him on salary full time, so we can't truly afford to bring him on the road. But sometimes we pass through Texas. If he's free, he's going to come play. And uh, and then he has a studio out there that we've been kind of back and forth working on new music. So it's really nice to have a creative involved that's a little removed from some of the process so that, yeah. you know, we're obsessing over something, mm-hmm. but then we can work with Drew and he can, you know, he'd nice. be like, okay, you're overthinking this thing. Here's, mm-hmm. you know, he's a mastermind too. I mean, you oh, can yeah. literally, you know, we, we did a, a show years back where it was again, just one of those shows passing through Texas 
and he got up and was playing with us and we were playing probably new songs that he really hadn't even heard before. Yeah. Wow. No he rehearsal. Just like, he just hops in. in. All right, yeah. let's go. Nice. Or like the other, so. yeah, right, right before everything shut down, we were opening for truck fighters in Nashville. He happened to be in the studio in Nashville that week. And uh, he was just like, I'll come play. We're like, great. He was like, if you can find me some gear. So we just borrowed some stuff from a buddy and he hopped on stage. Like amazing. What, what a player. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's great, man. Well, I mean, you I mean, one of the cool things too, about you guys now, just talking about your, uh, the band's uh, approach to the vocals, obviously you got sort of that triple vocal attack that you guys use. I mean, talk a little bit about what your approach is on who's going to sing what, who's going to do what, you know, for the most part with these, with the tracks. Yeah, so so way back in the day, pre Cdas, uh, our bassist at the time, Roger, did a lot of the kind of harsher yells and um, and harmonizing all of the stuff that Tom kind of usually does. Um, and as he left, uh, we realized it was hard to get a bass player to fill in and do all the vocal harmonies. Okay, you know it's easier to get somebody who can just learn the bass parts. So I had to kind of start picking that up. So I would sit there with Tom, learn all the parts, you know, and I'd just be playing drums super slow or air drums so I could figure mm. out how to separate the rhythm from the rest of my body. Yeah, it's tough, man. Yeah, weird. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, eventually, just kept practicing and practicing, and, and we kind of got through the space between worlds. And a lot of those vocal parts, at least on the harmony front, for me, you know, I'm playing catch up on on singing. Mm. So I we kept the the harmonies fairly simple. Um, and then really with Glass Futures, when we were able to develop a lot more, there's a lot more kind of counterpoint. Uh, the song Glass Future itself, there's a lot of interplay between Tom and I. Uh, and, and just trying to write more like that. So that's just the natural progression of where we're headed vocally is like, try to get everybody to sing, uh, more. And it's, and it's really fun. You know, we never, none of us saw ourselves as vocalists and there's something nice about everybody being able to pitch in because then, uh, I don't know, you can kind of hide a little bit more, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, the spotlight's never truly on somebody, um, but yeah, usually Tom, we'll we'll write for Tom singing lead parts, and then we'll kind of adapt as we go. Uh, and who knows how that develops down the road? But the goal is to have every member uh, pitching in in some way because I think you get different textures from different voices, mm -hmm. and the the just gives you more options. You can have more unique songs and way more potential to just try a bunch of stuff. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Speaking of trying like stuff. Your cover of Rooster just might be many of our favorite ever. I mean, yeah, <laughs> it literally yeah. blew so many of us away. I remember uh, being on the Doomed and Stone show. Uh, me, me and Billy were doing it, and we were, we were just both just taken aback, like we just couldn't believe the reimagined aspect <laughs> of what you did. I mean, walk us through how that came about, the, the so, song, and then what you do. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that one was super fun. Uh, is part of the Magnetic Eye Redux series that mm -hmm. they do. Uh, they did one for Dirt, and then they do the accompanying, uh, 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 you know, like best of records as yeah. well. And they hit us up to do it. I forget which song we were originally thinking about doing. I, it. I, think I it wanted to do Wood. I think, right? Didn't yeah. like you and I started working on that. Yeah. Yeah. We wanted to do that at first. And then they uh, uh, were just basically like, you could choose every any song that you want to do, but you're doing Rooster. Yeah. So <laughs> we're kind of like, oh, okay. So we didn't really know, um, you know, uh, uh, well, I guess we, we, we had like a slight, you know, vision of what we want to do with it, but really it was just like, time spent in the room just jamming and see how seeing how we can make it like our own thing right rather than just a straight up alice in chains cover well um, and that's kind of been the thing when we work on covers in the past it's like the first redux record we did was uh for the pink floyd accompanying uh best of and we chose matilda mother and we were just like, mm -hmm. we want a weird one that we can chop up and mm -hmm. screw up. And like, <laughs> you know, if you're going to do a cover, let's make it sound like us. Let's pay tribute. But what's yeah. the point in playing the song note for note? Yeah. Um, so we kind of just like 
really took that in for everything. And we've gotten a little bit of, you know, you get some little bit of hate for doing stuff like that. Like when mm. we did, uh, when we did shoot to thrill, the yeah. blabbermouth forum was not yeah. happy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they're never happy. So no, that never, is you know? true. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's uh, funny. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, one of the things I've noticed with you guys since I, you know, started listening to you and following you guys is, is you guys are really just the ultimate road dogs. I mean, you're road warriors. You guys are always out touring, um, just nonstop. You know, I mean, and, and like I said, obviously these days, I mean, really to obviously build up your fan base and just get everything out there, you have to do what you guys are doing, which is just keep it at it and pushing and just keep going. Yeah. I mean, at the same time, though, it's got to be absolutely exhausting. You know what I mean? So, I mean, talk a little bit about, yeah, I mean, talk a little bit about how you really balance, you know, touring, but at the same time, to the point where you're not really over, I guess, you know, uh, indulging yourself with the touring because, like I said, it's sort of a balance you have to do to really keep it fresh and not really burn yourselves out, you know? So, yes. we do make sure that we have breaks uh, in between tours. Okay. Um, and you know we have uh we're we're lucky enough that we all live super close so that like those breaks can you know we could still be rehearsing and and um and everything but you do have to like take care of yourself because when you're out on tour it's you know it's a lot it takes a toll on your body and when you're doing that every single night um you know you have to make sure that you have some time for rest and relaxation to get back at it um, yeah, you had COVID when uh, you all came to Vegas. Uh, it's like a day or two before uh, Psycho. Right, we that had to cancel. No. We had we canceled. Yeah, we had to cancel the date. So the original plan mm -hmm. is we were touring out uh, yeah. to do Psycho, and um, and our keyboard player, the guy who's playing with us, got COVID. So we had to turn around. Uh, we went home. Every I, somehow I didn't get it. Uh, somehow, like everyone's quarantine ended basically right before our like a couple days before our slot in at Psycho. So um, we ended up flying them out like last minute. It was like, okay, everyone's clear. Everyone's testing negative. Great, let's get out and play the thing. Yeah. So, but then, just, yeah. But last year, you had a show with the guy from CKY, I believe. Right. Yeah. So and, that was, uh, was a two piece. <laughs> <laughs> right. That was, yeah. Seavass yeah. had a concussion for a night or two there. <laughs> yeah. That was, uh, you know, yeah, I, mean, I, 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 I regret, uh, you know, I regret my actions, but uh, it was <laughs> oh, yeah, a nice relaxing night in the hotel while these guys were doing all the hard work loading the gear uh, in. Now, so yeah, of course the 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 worst load in and uh, setup of that whole tour was the night where we don't have Sebastian. Tom and I are just cursing under our breath. It's like, come on, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> from, the back, from the back alley and but all that. Our, our, our boy was hurting, though. So at the same time, it's like, okay, we got to make sure that he can continue after this. So Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> oh, still, yeah that was one hell of a night. You know, what has been the biggest crowd you all have played in front of? Um, I would say uh, in Seattle when we opened up for um, – Elder is that the biggest crowd? I yeah, think? that was like a nine hundred person venue. That was a nine hundred person venue, and yeah. and they sold it out. Um, but I mean, some of the festivals sometimes it's hard to tell, like yeah, depending on where you're at. Um, like one of the funny ones we played the pool party at at Psycho one of the years, and um, it it was at like three in the afternoon in August and you, we could tell people were there cause that one was sold out as well, mm -hmm. but no one was willing to set foot in the sun. So there's like the mm. shade from a single palm tree and people are lined up in the shade, following <laughs> Man, it as wow. it goes or the first three rows, but you finish your song. You're like, are people enjoying? And you hear everybody in like the right. cabanas and stuff. So, you yeah. know, yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean, some of these fests have been amazing. You know, I, I think that's some of the biggest crowds have been like when you get between 800 and 1,000, and that's probably sure. the biggest stuff that we've done, which is insane to see. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, sure, look yeah. at Elder now. Jeez. I mean, I know. going out with mm. Tool. It's a great success story, obviously, yeah. to watch along the way. It's Tom, crazy, Tom and I watched them uh, when we lived in Boston. We saw them in like, I think it was 2010 or 2011. We went to O'Brien's Pub. It was Tom and I and eight other people, you know, wow. <laughs> and then, and then here the we are. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. Yeah. I saw him with about 15 people when they're on yeah. the uh, spirit caravan 
most generator tour. <laughs> oh, cool. And, oh, wow. Literally, yeah, what a great tour. It was like 16 people there. Oh, the dive oh, bar, the yeah, 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 it was uh, so it's really neat to watch bands, you know, evolve like that uh, along the way. And, and, you know, it's a rough, rough world for bands in the hard to heavy rock, you know, heavy psych thing, particularly in America. Yeah. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. I've done the numbers of follow the money, I've watched social trends. It's, Everything's against the odds are all against it um, completely, you know, but it's we all pull for good bands like you guys to continue it, hoping that at some point in time, uh, besides Gen X, because we're really the fuel that helps <laughs> do all the go to all these shows. I mean, 100 percent. Yeah. 40 yeah. 50 year olds, you know, mainly guys. We're the ones supporting the real rock scene. Uh, besides, you know, obviously the bullshit that's on the radio and the labels. So it, it's just crazy. We, we hope that sometime, you know, someone figures it out around here that there's more uh, to this world than just rap, hip hop, country, and more pop music, which we've always had pop music in this country, but <laughs> it's just so overboard that the creativity um, leaves out rock and roll, it seems. So mm-hmm. it's just very yeah. unfortunate. Rolling Stone just put out their top 250 guitarist. That's a, I, I looked at 250 <laughs> through 200 and I just stopped. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I'm like, who in the fuck are these people? <laughs> Very inclusive. I get it. But they excluded like really good, you know, metal and uh, you know, rock guitarists along the way. I mean, Gary Moore, George Lynch. I mean, we go mm-hmm. on and on. Eddie Trunk's going to, Talk about for a million years, you know, he's part of the sure complaints about it. Uh, but it, it's just it's just crazy. Um, when you guys were growing up, like in high school, what were your favorite bands, particularly like your junior senior year? Man, so I, you know, I was a metalcore kid, so I was listening okay. to like uh Kill Switch Engage, but like one of my favorite bands was and still is Coheed and Cambria. They kind of you know, it's weird, they came out of that almost emo scene mm-hmm. but they have the tinges of prog and they kind of just started leaning into that more and it's always about the the bands that last are the ones that are sure they're in that genre but they are experimenting outside and mm-hmm. uh and they're a great example of that and that's why they've had such a long career um i mean they just they started doing their own cruise now they have a coheed cruise that i think just finished up so it's like oh, wow. people love that band they do yeah and it's because they do what they want to do. So they've always been just like, you know, yeah. just a great business model. And and that that also goes to show like you see all the popularity and popular or like radio rock or anything else. And like a lot of those fan bases, it's just it's kind of fleeting because, you know, people might show up for a show. But like in our scene, people will show up for every show. So it's like it's it's getting those diehards, and that's how like man, it took how long for Red Fang to hit? Yeah, uh, those yeah. guys were in their forties till they got <laughs> yep. popular. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think like yeah, I mean that's and they got popular way. because of their videos. I mean the right. videos is really what helped. You know, I, I I will say like Red Fang's cool. I had them mm-hmm. as part of Planet Desert Rock too. I think they're good guys, good band, but they're a lot bands better than Red Fang. But their videos were just so funny, captivating. It got viral. And we all know how, you know, the world works with algorithms and everything else. And, of course, you know, a little money behind you and this and that. It, it's just really a tricky fucking world. Yeah. yeah. To say the least. What, what year did you graduate, Zach? Uh, high school, 2009. Woo. Yeah. You guys and I was, uh, <laughs> I was 2011. Um, when I graduated, but still around that time, 20, you know, 2010, 2011, I was listening to, uh, you know, my dad just raised me on except Iron Maiden, <laughs> classic metal. Huh? Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, those are, were like the big four. What know. about Sabbath? Sabbath. Yes. Yes. I did listen to Sabbath and, uh, I didn't go out of my way to listen to Sabbath. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, ACDC is is the all time like biggest one for me and What's my dad as well. What's interesting, Seabass, is we're very similar in what we got into, what we were into in high school. Except I was in the eighties, <laughs> and <laughs> Sabbath, I was late to the ball game. Quite frankly, yeah. um, 
just was paranoid about the name. It just scared me. I mean, just stupid things. But I got into Dio and I got into Ozzy, and I remember someone going, oh, you like Ozzy? I mean, you like you like Dio? And they gave me, they said, listen to Heaven and Hell. Yeah. Oh, and nice. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, the mob rules. And I was like, holy shit. Yeah. And then someone's like, why don't you grab that Black Sabbath greatest hits and give a little listen and, and the rest is history. I mean, I, <laughs> for me, it's the best band that's ever lived as far as songwriting, innovation, everything else, because everything oh. kind of comes from it. But ACDC was the jam. Yeah, uh, man. An entry point for many of us. Just like I think nowadays Metallica has become an entry point for some. You know, the oh, last yeah, few yeah, generations. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, it's just really weird. But I was wondering if your dad, you know, was, yeah, you know, you know maintain I, the metal presence. He he had to, you know, yeah. at some point, Good. you know, and literally the first uh, uh, song when I was trying to learn guitar, um, he just put a guitar in my hands and sat me down and put uh, uh, Thunderstruck on. Mm. And I was just like, nice. learn this. I was like, oh, okay, I guess I'll just start on this crazy high level um but not that i got any, any better at it but um yeah so acdc has just always been the one and i've been trying to uh uh weasel my little acdc isms into howling <laughs> giant you know? I was gonna, yeah i was gonna say a lot of this a lot of the scene in general whether stoner desert doom psych um Seabass was pretty new to when he joined the band. And like, like I'll admit I was, I was late to the party as well. Being mm -hmm. like listening to some of that stuff, like Coheed or kill switch engage or like mm -hmm. any of the metal core, uh, a band that drew me in was when somebody showed me ASG because it has the mm -hmm. hints of that. It has the skate punk, but they are one of my favorites of all time. And that's what kind of hooked me in there. And like, it took me a little to understand, like, sure. We heard weedy, like weed eater around that time too. Mm -hmm. And like, that was like I didn't get it right away, but now I'm so in, you know. Wow. <laughs> well, yeah, you don't care about vocals since you like hardcore, so <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> you funny. know, weed eater. <laughs> I like weed pecker better. Oh, uh, yeah, which is a great heavy side. Oh, yeah, a little bit of progressiveness. I mean, out of Poland, uh, I call them part of the new wave of heavy side, which yeah. kind of goes with Elder King Buffalo. All them witches, elephant tree. I think that it, that scene is really, I think, helping grow things because it's a little more uh, accessible. You know, easier for people to to take in. It's not yeah. as heavy or mm -hmm. what someone would say cliche, which I'm perfectly fine with. Straightforward heavy rock, butt rock. As someone mentioned earlier, I had my time where I like to go back and all that. And that was when I didn't know what was out there besides radio. And yeah. that's what we face in America, quite frankly, is that. Even still for Gen Xers, uh, some will never leave, and they will be negative to the very end and go, man, this just, just doesn't compare. And I'm like, it's not a competition, asshole. <laughs> that doesn't right. get me very far, but yeah. Shattered shield, no way to stop the 
Well, as I say, you know, you guys are road warriors here. And so obviously oh, yeah. you guys are gearing up now for the Glass Future album release tour. Uh, you got obviously some dates with Wrestle Spirit and some dates with Black Tusk. Um, so talk a little bit about the tour. Obviously, it starts, as everyone can see right there, uh, next month on the 3rd, just next week uh, in Atlanta. So talk a little bit about the tour and also linking up with both of those bands, which, I mean, Wrestle Spirit's one of the really, really like uh, up-and-coming new bands that we're seeing in the scene as well. Yeah, so Wrestle Spirit uh, label mates through Magnetic Eye. Uh, we mm-hmm. did some dates with them in March, and we they, it, it was only like, I think like a week or a week and a half with them. We were like, we got to do some more um so yeah just as soon as we had an opportunity to to hit the road back here we're like okay let's get those guys and then um our booker jake actually works with black tusk as well and he was like do you want to link up for some of that we did a week with them in may uh last year and uh yeah i was like of course we'll play with black tusk they rule uh so yeah just kind of kind of bouncing around a little bit um you know there's going to be a lot more tour dates down the road but we kind of cut off uh, around the holidays around here uh everyone you know everyone's driving home to see families and everything mm-hmm. else so um you know we kind of only had about a two and a half week time frame to hit a lot of these spots so we kind of just prioritized a few areas stuck down south so we don't have to deal with any any winter driving and then as soon as you know end of february march hits we're going to do our best to hit uh, all the other markets in the US, you know, New England do a full West Coast tour, you know, and everything in between. So uh, we are working on that currently, but we are stoked to hit the road and and hit these dates here soon. Absolutely, man. Fantastic. That's real cool. I'll try to give the heads up to some of my buddies over uh, in Wilmington. Dude, Wilmington rules. We all every time we're in the area, we're like, we got to go play Reggie's like in that, that, that I, spot. It's my favorite city. I went to college at East Carolina University, which is in oh, North yeah. Carolina, in the eastern mm-hmm. part of the state. And uh, Wilmington is my favorite city because um, it's a city, but it has beaches. And it's got old school downtown, and it's you know it's not it's it's decent sized city, but not small. Mm-hmm. And uh, and North Carolina people are nice uh, regardless. So oh yeah, I, I went to high school in North Carolina in Fayetteville. Mm-hmm. My dad was stationed Fayette at Bragg, Nam. so oh Fayetteville. So uh, so I had a lot of friends go out there to school. So we got buddies yeah. all throughout North Carolina. It's nice to go back. Plus, again, you do have ASG and Weed Eater and yeah, and yeah. Toke based out of there. So oh, like yeah. uh, we've not seen Tim in a long time since the accident, and I think we're gonna reconnect with him uh, that weekend, and that's gonna be amazing. It's you know. I'm so glad he's making the recovery it, it, that he is. It's yeah. it's it's truly amazing. So uh, it's going to be good to see him again and and everybody else around there. Well, hopefully you set up something for out in Vegas uh, on the West Coast. You know, have you guys give me a give me a buzz? I don't do a lot of shows, but for you guys, I would awesome. Sure. If not, <laughs> I'm happy to just support whoever books it. So I've gotten to that point this year. I went on two shows and I literally will help and post the show and invite people. And I'll even play DJ for the night. Heck yeah. On, on a lot of shows, which is, you know, instead of uh, surprise music happening or no one even giving a shit. So yeah. thank you guys so much. I mean, Zach, we go way back. We've known each other for gosh, for, for years a now. Yeah. yeah. It seems like, and uh C-Bag's always good to catch up with you too there, brother. Yeah, yeah we really appreciate you coming on the Heavy Galaxy show, and uh, we wish you good luck on the tour. And we love the album. We yes, love oh, excellent! Thank you, guys. Fantastic. So glad you're Thank enjoying you. it. Yeah. So, just guys, let it, let the viewers and listeners know where they can go pick up the record and just where they can keep up with you guys. So yeah. So, all the social media is pretty easy. We're just Howling Giant. If you type it in, it pops up. Uh, you know, luckily we've got the search engine optimization down, of course. <laughs> uh, Bandcamp, Howling Giant at bandcamp.com. Um, Magnetic Eye put out the record. Uh, so, the speaker store, S P K R, uh, they have all of that. Also, on the road, we're going to have a lot of vinyl and all that good stuff. We got our hot sauce, we got our awesome. coffee, we got all the good stuff. Uh, so, we're going to plan to hit. As many cities as we can next year, and we'll be able to sell you some hot sauce or some coffee alongside the record oh, here. Hell yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Right. All right. Well, Zach, Steebest, thanks so much for coming on, guys. Follow your baby.